So I want to talk about the Makkah called Choshech. The, the, um, the plague that is called darkness. The plague is called darkness. It doesn't look like I look around, sweet. It doesn't look to me like anybody thinks it's 30 degrees in here. <laughs> <laughs> you have a machine. The machine says 30 degrees. So. It's 30. You think it's 30. Fahrenheit. It could be. Oh, is that what you meant? Fahrenheit? <laughs> okay. So anyway, Choshech. Choshech is, of course, the artist of the plagues. Because it's not clear. Uh, it's not clear. As all the plagues, somebody gets hurt. Usually, it's Egyptians who are hurt, you know, they have nothing to eat, they have nothing to drink, there are locusts running around in the field, there are wild animals killing everything in sight. I mean, the Egyptians are basically being taken to task for something or other, right? You know, it's an old, very old question about the Egyptians. <coughs> Why did they deserve the punishment? After all, they were just doing what, uh, what God had given them to do, to enslave the Jews. That was part of the plan. So why were they so severely punished? The answer generally given is that they were a little too enthusiastic about what they did. Because they not only enslaved, I mean, it's the Rambam says this and the Ramban says this, that, uh, that generally speaking, they didn't have to be as severe with the Jewish slaves as they were, and therefore they deserved they deserved to be they deserved to be punished. But when it came to Choshech, it's hard for us to um, to perceive what exactly the punishment for for the Egyptians was. It may have been unpleasant not to be able to see for a couple of days, but it was not like physical pain and torment. It wasn't as though the food supply was cut off. It wasn't as though the water uh, was undrinkable. All of these things are, uh, we, can, we can understand exactly why they are all called um, plagues. But it's hard to understand about Choshu. So let's just get a little bit of information first. Bayom HaShem and Moshe, the first pasuk, there will be Now, introductory, as an introduction, everybody knows that the word Choshech could symbolize two things or could represent two things, right? This is the medievalists all agreed that this distinction exists. Rav Sajagon, the Rambam, the Ramban. As we will see, the Ramban here, either Choshech means the absence of light, right? Or Choshech is something that is tangible. It's its own thing. Like we don't have that kind of Choshech in our minds. When we think about Choshech, we don't think about... But the Ramban, the Ramban will discover that there is such a Choshech. So here it says, Vayamesh Choshech. Vayamesh Choshech. So Rashi says, Yoter Laila. 
the darkness was greater than the darkness of night. Now the darkness of night is the absence of light. And it changes from day to day because it's, uh, sometimes you get a little more light from the moon and sometimes a little less light. But there's always light. There's always light. But this is <coughs> more yet than the darkness of the night. The choshech shalayla ya'amish v'yachshoch. Oh, the word ya'amish is a difficult word, as Rashi explains to us uh, 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 immediately. You see, the pasuk says v'yamesh choshech. V'yamesh choshech is a hard. It's a difficult word. So Rashi says v'yamesh is kamova ye'emash. He goes into an explanation of that sometimes the the letter aleph because it doesn't have its own pronunciation, the consonant, the consonant Aleph is just, it's just a, like a, a central noise. It disappears <coughs> in Hebrew, it often disappears. There are words in Hebrew where the Aleph is written but not pronounced, and there are words in Hebrew where the Aleph is not even written, and of course not pronounced. Like say the word so, sheep, Right, Sadi, Aleph, Nun. But you don't pronounce the Aleph in any way. It's just God. There's no difference between Sadi, Aleph, Nun, and if we would write it Sadi, Nun, it would be exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or the word Rosh. The word Rosh, head. So there's an Aleph in there. But that Aleph is not pronounced. So that's something that is very much kind of what happens to an Aleph in different positions. Aleph tends to disappear because it doesn't have its own sound. It's just, so if you say ani, like it's the sound that comes naturally out of your mouth, that's an Aleph. So it tends to disappear. Aleph, Rashi explains. Since the sound of the aleph is not so, like you can't tell that it's an aleph, nikeret kolkach, ein hakatuv makpid al chesrono. So then Rashi goes and gives examples. But Rashi did not really explain to us what vayamesh choshech means. He just says it comes from the word aleph mem shin. And the word aleph mem shin. The word, <coughs> the word Aleph Mem Shin is like last night. It's like the darkness of the night before. That's what, I mean, it's a little, Rashi doesn't explain it. You have to do that. You skip in the Rashi. You skip in the Rashi. Medrash uh-huh. You see where Rashi says Medrash Agada? Two, four, six, eight, ten. Ten lines down in the Rashi. Rashi says Medrash Agada. I've tried many times to explain that for Rashi there's Pshat and there's Drash. Right? Pshat means I'll explain the words as they are written in order. And Drash means I'll hang something on a word. I'll just pick out a word and say, well, that word seems to indicate. That's called the drash. 
Now generally Rashi himself, Rashi himself says several times in the parasha of Breshit and then again in Noah, these two parashiyot, he says that I, Rashi, am here for Pshuto Shel Mikra. Pshuto Shel Mikra means I come to explain the words as they appear in order. That's Pshuto Shel Mikra. But sometimes Rashi says, that Pshuto Shel Mikra is just not enough. I've got to tell you something which is a Midrash Agadai. Even though I, Rashi, have agreed that I'm not going to, <coughs> I'm going to tell you the Pshat interpretation, sometimes I just can't do it. And so here it says, Midrash Agada Potro, Lishon Mimashesh Batsaharayim. And the Medrash Agadah says, and the Rashi, Rashi says, I've got to tell you this, because this is the only real way to understand the Pasuk. Not because it's cute, not because it's another thing, but because it becomes, when Rashi says Medrash Agadah, the Medrash Agadah achieves this, in the position of the central interpretation. It's the primary interpretation. What does the Medrash Agadah say? You can feel it. You can touch it. So that Vayamesh Choshech means it was so dark. It was so dark that you could touch the darkness and feel it. Right? It was doubled over Vaav and thick. Something absolutely unbelievable. In, in other words, Rashi has introduced us to the primary issue in the parasha of Choshet, or a primary issue, which is what possibly could the Pasuk mean when it says Vayamesh Choshet? What could that mean? That you could, first of all, the word itself is not so clear, but if the word means, as Rashi claims it means, According to the Medrash Agadah, that Vayamesh Choshech means you could touch it, you could feel it, you could feel the Choshech. So that means that it's not talking about the lack of light. I mean, that's the, the, whole, uh, the whole point that we're driving at. We're not talking about, that the, we're not saying that the Makah of Choshech was no light, therefore Choshech. But we're saying that Choshech was the imposition of Choshech on reality. That's what happened. That's what happened. That's the Makkah of Choshech according to Rashi. And then the next Pasuk says, Pasuk Kabet, Vayet Moshe Yado al Shamayim. Moshe Rabbeinu raised his hand to heaven. Vay Choshech Afela Bechol Eretz Mitzrayim Shloshet Yemim. Choshech Afela. Choshech means darkness, usually. And Afela means darkness, usually. So darkness, darkness, in the way of, of, of the way children talk, the way little children talk, and it's very often true in other languages as well. If you want to say very big, you say big, big. Right, there's big, there's very big, and there's outstandingly big, right? So in some languages, in some languages, including Hebrew sometimes, you say big, there's big, and then there's big, big. Big, big means very big. Right? And then you might even have big, big, big. You know. So what does Rashi say? Choshech Rashi says no. It means Choshech 
Shell Ofer. Choshech, Shell Ofer. It's a Choshech which is described by the word Ofel, which also means darkness. It's a Choshech of the Aleph Pei Lamed variety. What is the Aleph Pei Lamed variety? What is that? So Rashi says, Shelo ra'u ishet achiv otan shloshet yamim. Really dark, because everybody knows that even in darkness you could usually see a little bit. So if you're talking about his brother, right, brethren, you would recognize him. You recognize your brother at night, even if there's no light on in the house. You would recognize him. He says, no, lo and then the next pasuk, according to Rashi, uh, the next pasuk, shloshet yamim. Right, first the the, the pasuk kavbet says shloshet yamim, and then the next pasuk says again shloshet yamim. Ulechol bnei Yisrael hayaor b'moshvotam. Rashi says. Uh, Rashi says, For the first three days, there was darkness. You couldn't see. It was The next three days, Rashi says, Much worse. A much worse kind of darkness. Nobody even got up. Yoshev ain't yecholamod, v'yamod, v'lo yechol yeshev. I don't know exactly what Rashi's talking about, but that's what the Pesach says. Right? Lo kamu ish mitachtav shloshet yamim. For some reason, the darkness was so great, maybe, maybe the physicality of the darkness prevented people from moving. They were sort of stuck. You know, if they tried to walk, they, they, they were walked against a wall of darkness. They tried to sit down or stand up. There was this wall of darkness that prevented them. The, the end of the last narrow line in Rashi. So this was not the absence of light. This was something of its own. As an aside, as an aside, I'll tell you, I always tell this. This story, though there's a commentary on the Chumash called Torah Tmima. Torah Tmima, what he did was he took um, he took statements from Chazal, and then he explains them. And in his introduction, in the introduction, his name was Baruch Halevi Epstein. His name is Baruch Halevi Epstein. He was modern Orthodox <laughs> because he worked in the bank. And if you work, you're modern Orthodox. So he was modern Orthodox. He was the son of the Aruch HaShulchan, who was the Rav in the Vardak, a great, a great scholar. Baruch HaLevi Epstein, even though he worked in the bank, had this um, quality. He had the same memory that his father had. He remembered everything. He remembered everything that he ever saw. And it was very interesting, apparently an interesting character. He died in New York. He came to New York before the war and he worked in the bank and that's where he lived his life. In his introduction he says, I see that people are talking in shul during Kriyat Torah. Can you imagine that? No. 
But he, in his shul, people actually talk during Kriyat HaTorah, so he says it must be because they have nothing to do. So I'm going to give them something to do. I'll write this paper so I'll be able to learn the, my papers, you know. <laughs> That's what, it was like Torah did, but it was much more, much more complicated. It was a little more complicated than Torah, Torah tidbits. So in Yerushalayim, in Yerushalayim, if you, if you find the Yushalmi, you know those are the guys with the round hats? Like, they, like saucers, they're ready to take off. And you meet a guy like that, you say, you say to him, do you ever use the Torah Tmima? So he'll say no. But they say, how come? He says, well, because he's not, he, there's something wrong with him. What's wrong with him? Well, he explained by Yamesh Choshech in his commentary on this pasuk by Yamesh Choshech, he says it must be that it was like all the Egyptians got contact lenses because he couldn't figure out like black contact lenses. Everybody had this like black lenses on their eyeballs and they couldn't, he says he couldn't figure out how there could be light in one place and absolute darkness right next door because the nature of the light is that it spills over, right? You can't have light here and dark here. You get, but if you have a lot of light here, as it says in the Pasuk, that's what it says in the Pasuk, how come there was no light for the Egyptians? So it must be that the, there was some physical thing that was stopping the light from getting to the, to the, uh, to the Egyptians. And even though he doesn't say contact lenses, because I don't think they had them then, but he does say that there was something on their eyes. There was like some they pasted on their eyes that didn't enable them to see. So here, Rashi got us into a problem. I understand what Rashi is saying. Rashi is saying, how could it be? How could it be that the, the darkness was so dark that it was unaffected by the light that was in Goshen? And the answer, according to Rashi, is that the darkness was like a curtain. It was a physical barrier which prevented you from seeing beyond that physical barrier. Of course, Rashi doesn't explain to us why all of this happened. Like, who is the object of this makkah? Until now, when Rashi says, that you should know this Rashi, Rashi says, Rashi says, Vilama, the first wide line, the first wide line in the Rashi, in the, mid, in the third of the line to the, from the beginning, Lama Hevi Alehem Chosh. I don't even know who Alehem is. Why did he bring God bring upon them this Makkah of Choshech? Shayubi Yisrael Boto Adon Rishaim. What do you think about that? That there were people who were Jews, Yisraelim, that were wicked. And they didn't want to leave Egypt. And they died during these three days of Afeila. That's what the Pasuk says. So here you see that in heaven they had a problem. It, God had a problem in heaven, according to this Rashi. God said, Well, all these people don't want to leave Mitzrayim, they're going to be punished. They deserve to be punished. But we're not questioning the, the divine conclusion that all these people deserve to be punished and to die before Yitzhak was Good. That, that was what they deserved. But what will happen as a result? 
the Egyptians will say, the Egyptians will say that, okay, we suffered, but now I see that the Jews are also suffering from this whole process. So who says that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us the truth, that God of the Yisraelim is causing all of this to happen? Because if that were true, why would the Jews also die? And therefore, we're not going to let them leave. Because while it's true that we are suffering, we're not suffering because of the Jewish God, but we're suffering for some other, for some other reason. So Rashi says, that the Egyptians should not see what happened to the Jews. You shouldn't say that. Rashi, Rashi, you know, he says, okay, if I have to say that, if I have to say that in order to understand what's going on, remember what Rashi's trying to do. He's trying to tell us what's happening. He's trying to tell us what's the big deal that this Choshech, what is the Choshech got to do with Makot Mitzrayim? It's Makan number nine. It's one of the real Makot. Right? It's, it's one of the real, it's a real Makah, but no one is getting hurt here. So Rashi says, oh, Chazal said that it was the Jews who were getting hurt. And we didn't want, God didn't want to embarrass the Jews, and therefore Choshet Mitzrayim. So Choshet Mitzrayim is not a Makah. It's like it solves a problem. It enables God to punish the people who are able, who deserve to be punished, something like that. Then Rashi continues and says the most amazing thing. This all comes from, from Chazal in the Medrash Rabbah, right? Lama, Ve'od, you see Ve'od? The second wide line, two-thirds of the line in. Ve'od, she'chipsu Yisrael v'yirauet k'leihem, u'kshiyatsu v'ayu sho'alim mehem v'ayu omrim em b'yadeinu klum, omer lo aniriti b'beitcha b'makom ploni. Who? What do you think of that? And sometimes if you read the Rashi slowly, it's more interesting. He said, he said during this time of Choshech, the, the Egyptians couldn't see, but the Jews could see. So what did the Jews do while they could see, besides the ones who weren't dying because they were wicked? They went into the Egyptian homes. They had these like telescopic lenses on their eyes. And they saw where they kept where they kept the gold and the silver and all the stuff. So when they left, when they left Mitzrayim, even though the pasuk says that the, the Egyptians seemed to give up all their stuff willingly, but there were some who didn't. So the Jews went in and they mocked little X's. Here's the gold. Here's the silver. Here's the credit cards. You know, they had little, uh, or they made a little map for everybody's house. And then when they left Mitzrayim, they said, "Okay, give us the stuff." <coughs> and the Egyptians said. And he says, no, uh, you know, we don't really have anything. We gave everything. You ever hear a story like that? We gave it all up, and we don't have anything left. And they said, oh, no, you know, you have a few credit cards here, and a few, like, gold bars hidden in the fireplace or something. That's what, that, that's what happened. So that it turns out, it turns out, according to Rashi, because there's a little bit of a makah here, that according to the story that was told originally to Avram Avinu, that when the Jews leave Mitzrayim, the Egyptians will shower them with gifts. There was some question about whether the shower would be as strong as it should be. And in order to ensure that the shower would actually take place, they along came Makat Choshech. And Makat Choshech was about 
enabling the Jews to spy. This is an interesting idea. No, they enable the Jews to spy and to, to, to try to discover, to discover where all the good stuff was, and that way they're able to get it at the time when they left Mitzrayim on their way to, to Har Sinai. So there you have it. There you have it. The two problems are solved by Rashi, although they're solved in a rather fantastic way. Rashi, now we know why there was a makkah of Choshech. It was either to punish the wicked, of the Jews, or to enable the Jews to locate the gold and the silver. And the second thing that we want to know is why, what kind of choshech is it? Is it the absence of light, or is it something new? And Rashi says it's not the absence of light, it's something new. It's like a curtain, it's like a, it's a thing, you could touch it, you could feel it. That's, that's why Yamesh choshech. Now to this, the Ramban adds, if you see, you see the Ramban? So the Ramban just says it straight out. He says the Choshech we're talking about is not the absence of light, but we're talking about a new thing that came down from heaven. Ki al and that's why God told Moshe Rabbeinu to raise his arm towards heaven because a new thing is going to come into the world something that didn't exist before and that's, that's the Choshech now listen to this the Ramban says something interesting and this is already uh, in the Medrash but he goes into it, he says, the Medrash asked the question, why didn't the Egyptians light candles? Like we used to do when there was Afsakat Hashmal, you know, that was like a, a Yerushalayim opportunity. You, get, uh, you know those old candles that you have no use for? Afsakat Hashmal takes care of it. So if you go into a uh, tunnel that's deep in the ground, you won't be able to light a candle. Uh, you have trouble living there also, but you have no oxygen, so the candle will keep going out. So the Ramban seems to think that it was, that the type of choshech that was produced was the kind of choshech that you have in a, a, a deep a tunnel underground where the candles don't remain lit. You could try lighting a candle, but they won't stay lit. And that's why no one saw anybody else and no one stood or no one sat. Okay? If not for this, they would have used they would have used candles. That's what the uh, that's what the uh, uh, Ramban says. So I would say that the Ramban validates that point that Rashi made, and that point that Rashi made was that it was not the absence of light, but it was some new creation that is called Choshech, Choshech Mitzrayim, Choshech Vafeila. All of that is part of. 
all of that is part of the new creation in Makat, in Makat Choshech. The new create, creation, Makat Choshech. Uh, the truth is that the uh, that uh, there are two other there are two other perushim here, but uh, I think I would like to get to to the end. If you turn over the pages, the Kitava Kabbalah, they all say they all say the same thing in different different words. Um, I want to look quickly at uh, remind ourselves of Breshit Perik Aleph. Breshit Perik Aleph. The first two are not on the sheet, but I would have liked them to be. Instead, you have a picture of Mark Chagall. What? Evo. Mark Gimel, Pasuk Gimel, the Dalit Lom. And it would say Aleph Bet. As we say, that's a Kolechad Yudai Aleph Bet, Balfet. Pasuk Aleph, Prejit Baralo Kibet HaShamay Bet HaAretz. Which is whatever it is. In other words, what I mean is, the question was, it, it can't be a statement about creation because the statement about creation begins so that could be a kind of a, a heading. Like, and now the topic is Chapter 1 in which? Something like that. Or it could be what Rashi says in all the new English translations. You know, the post-King James translations. Most translations are King James. You know King James? Interesting fellow. And in any event, he caused the Bible to be translated to English. That English translation says that the first pasuk is a statement. You know, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, the new translations, the new translations, the G JPS translation, the Archgol translation, the Korean translation, all these translations translate according to Rashi, who said that the first pasuk is like a subjunctive clause. Is that right? Is that a correct statement? No, subjunctive, subjunctive. When God said about to make the heavens and the earth, comma, the first thing was the creation of light. Understand? It's not a statement that God created the world, heavens and the earth, but it's when God said about to create the heavens, the world, the heavens and the earth, the beginning was, or God said, let there be light. Okay? So now the second pasuk, I mean, I, I, we don't have to determine, but you can take whatever you like, as far as the translation is concerned. The second pasuk says, right? I don't know what tovavo is, but it's a, like a mess. It's a mess. It's the opposite of Tovavo is the opposite of? Seder. The opposite of Seder. And what word is used in Breshit to imply Seder? I mean, the word Seder is not used in the first paragraph of Breshit, but what word is? Bayabdel. Yafet. To distinguish. Distinguish equals Seder. Everybody, everything has a place. 
the water is here and the dry land is here. Tovavo, it's a mess. You don't know where the, the dry land is, you don't know where the, the water is supposed to be. You know, it's all just a mess. <coughs> then it says, Choshech al Tehom. Choshech, Tehom doesn't interest me, but Tehom means the, the depths, whatever, that, whatever it means. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to understand what the world before the world looked like. But in that Pasuk it says there was Choshech. Now what would you say that Choshech is? What would you say that Choshech is? Oh, okay, I understand. You never saw this Pasuk before. <laughs> oh, I never had a chance to think about it. That's good. Choshech al-Pneita. Ruach Elohim rachefet al-Pneihamai. That's the third part of the Pasuk. Ruach Elohim. Okay, Ruach Elohim. I don't understand what it, what it means, but I make, I'll make believe I understand what it means, right? The Spirit of God, whatever it is. I mean, it's very hard to know, uh, you know, to, to explain something about God in real, right? You always assume that, you know, it's just an attempt to be real, but it's not the real of the real. So, Ruach Elohim, Rachefet, Al So, what do you have? You have Tovavo, you have Choshech. And you have Ruach Chefet al So all of that pasuk represents disorder. One. Right? There's no order yet. Oh, that's the beginning of, of, of order. You see? Vayomer is the first thing that was created on the first day of creation, according to the Chumash. Pasuk Dalit, it's in, it's it's here. So that, that's that's a common that's a common uh, kind of statement that that the creation was perfect. It was as it should be. So the creation of light was as it should be. So what could that possibly mean? What could that possibly mean? It could either mean that the or somehow was limited, and where there was no or there was choshech, or it could mean I have to reference the choshech of the second pasuk. No? In other words, God created light. So light overwhelmed Choshech, I assume. I'm making it up, but that's my assumption. That light always wins. By, it was, there's a world of Choshech. Choshech al Pnei Taho. Choshech. Ha'aretz vavohu v'choshech. There was Choshech. So this is the same problem. Are we talking about Choshech that is created, that exists, or are we talking about the absence of light? Right? So generally, the easy way is to say it's the absence of light. God said, or, and here's or, and here there's no or. Or, Vayavdel Elokim ben Haor u ben Choshech. Which Choshech? 
the Choshech that pre-existed the creation of of Or. Rashi. Now Rashi, Rashi is sensitive to this problem and, and understands what, um, uh, what Chazal meant. Where Rashi was very tuned in to Chazal. So he says, Af Afbaze. In this Pasuk as well, I can't, Pshat is not good enough. Pshat doesn't give it to you. You need Divrei Agada, which is what I tried to explain before. What's the antecedent? God saw it. We'll say it in English. In Hebrew, him. God saw it, meaning all. The, the light that was created. God looked at the light that was created and said, that the wicked are not worthy of this light. What wicked? What are we talking about? And so the light was taken away from the world. Right? The light was taken away from the world and placed in the place of the righteous. The, the righteous will... <coughs> <coughs> come to Latid uh, Lavo. So that the light that God created on the first day was taken away, was taken away from the world and put away. Then Rashi says, uh, and now I'll tell you what the pshat of the pasuk is. Ve'ena elo, God saw that the light was tov. Ve'ena elo, ve'lachoshech, she'yu b'shtamshim b'yirbuvya. And it's not reasonable that the light which is tov should somehow be affected by the choshech that is ra. Ve'kaval azet chumo b'yom, ve'zeh chumo b'layla. That's what v'yavdeh l'elokim b'yin ha'or v'yin ha'choshech. So what I think what I think this means is what I think is like I look at the Rashi and it seems to me that that Rashi and, and other medievalists right but Rashi is the first <coughs> in the way we learn the way we usually start from Rashi okay we can start from the the Kuzari but the way we learn the way we learn we always learn Rashi so Rashi begins. It begins, I mean, there's this a question of where does it come from? Where does evil come from? Where is the Ra? In the creation, I mean, if God created the world, the world should be like God. And if God is good, so the world should be good, and yet we know that there's Ra in the world. So the Ra in the world was there before creation. That's what the Chumash says. I mean, I'm giving you a possible interpretation, right? That, that the Ra in the world pre-existed creation. Where is it? Where is it that it pre-existed creation? Choshech al it was there. It was there. And that Choshech was part of a mess. And that creation is about uh, distinguishing, denying the mess, making order, making order of things. That's how creation 
works. Why the, where did the Choshech before creation come from? I don't know. I don't know. But it's in the Pasuk. It's there. Choshech alpinator home. That Choshech, that Choshech is the mess that produced the Ra. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created, the Rashi said HaKadosh Baruch Hu created light, there was no way in the created world to find a place for that light unless two things would happen. One is that the light itself or the, the purest form of that light would be moved to a place of light which is Olam Haba. And the other possibility is the other thing that had to happen would be that the light that was left to the world would not be mixed in with the Ra in the world which is the Choshech. And so Rashi says, Rashi says, Sheyu mishdamshim be'erbuvia this was the interim solution which exists in the created world. So that in the created world there's light and there's darkness. The light is not pure light. It doesn't overwhelm on its own. It doesn't overwhelm the Ra. But the created, the people created in that world, man created in that world has got to be able to sort it out and be able to say this is the good and this is the bad this is the light and this is the dark this is the the, the kind of uh, challenge that that man has and we see over and over again no matter how much we work at it how much we work at uh, uh, at uh, morals and, and, and ethical positions not always so easy to know in a particular situation what the ethical position is where the light is that should overcome that should overcome the darkness. So this is the way to explain. This is a way to explain what's happening in the in the creation, in the creation of the world. And I just I just quoted a few lines from the Tanya. You see, the last source on top of Mark Shigal is the Tanya. or Hashem I mean, these are words that Kabbalists use and they, they have some meaning, but for us it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just like light is good and, and you have a lot of bad things floating around in the world that you have to, they have to get rid of. Levush is the, the way you look. The way the way you you uh, produce yourself in the world, machshava dibur maaseh shel emunat Hashem echad aynu lamod benisayon v'limsor nafsho afilu shelola sotrak eze maaseh levad neged emunat Hashem echad. So that that the Tanya says that you have to like like even when you have it in you. Like you have the light inside of you, you're like the right person, you believe in God, you have emunah, but the darkness still has to be overcome sometimes. You still have to be able to learn how to deal, how to deal with, the, with, the, with the darkness. So that these psukim, even though he doesn't quote the psukim in this, in this uh, section in the Tanya, these psukim about the creation of light, and the separation of light from darkness, which according to Rashi, which according to Rashi means that there's, that light, the light of Hazek connects us somehow to a more perfect kind of light, which is what the Balatanya is, is, uh, is talking about. 
Uh, that, but that more perfect light is in the place of the righteous. And in the place where there are righteous and, and less righteous people, where there are righteous and less righteous people, we have to overcome. We've got to be able to use the light as it was given to us, right? Separated from the darkness, we have to be able to use the light in order to uh, uh, found, find a more profound way of living, living Bolam Olam Hazeh. So if I get back to Yitziat Mitzrayim, I get back to Yitziat Mitzrayim, you could say, Avram Avinu, HaKadosh Baruch said that they're going to be slaves in Mitzrayim. You know how long it's going to take? You know how long it's going to take? 400 years. It's going to take 400 years to make them mention, to make them worthy of receiving the Torah. 400 years. They cried and they whined and they wailed and Moshe Rabbeinu came along and it was only 210 years. Only 200 years of what happened to the other 190 years of instruction. Where did they go? So the Makkah of Choshech said that there's this lesson that you have to learn about Choshech, that connecting yourselves with the Egyptians, which is what some people did, was tantamount to living in darkness, to living in the way that Hashem did not want you to live. God wanted you to participate in the struggle, in the struggle for light, Ba'olam Hazeh. And B'nai Yisrael, who were not obviously prepared for that struggle, learned about it in the Makkah of Choshech, because <coughs> they saw what darkness meant. It immobilized you. It made you unable to function in a positive way. Whereas the light of the Jew, of, that, that the Jews had in Eretz Goshen was something that they were able to see very clearly at that time. So that some of the Jews died because not even the light could save them. But the others understood, understood something about the world that they lived in. And the struggle of light and darkness, which is a metaphor that is I think reasonable up to today, you know, even today. Uh, it's a cathedral, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm not sure, I'm not sure about Mark Chagall, what his shot in darkness was, but I think that that the light and the darkness that is represented in the psukim in Breshit can help me to understand what's happening, what's happening in uh, uh, the makkah of darkness in Mitzrayim. I'm not sure. I mean, it could be that all of the makot have an educational, are of educational value for the Egyptians and for the Jews. Right? They learned something. So we learned something about God about control of the world, about uh, uh, being able to recognize God's actions in the world. All of these things are lessons that are connected to the, to the Makot of Mitzrayim. But the Makkah that was received by the Egyptians, the Makkah that was received by the Egyptians was that when there was light, they couldn't see the light. And eventually they understood 
Somebody understood after all the Egyptians disappeared. They don't exist in the world because they were unable to see the light. Whatever the reason was, whatever the reason was, they never got past that first pasuk of Tovavo. That's where they were. And the Tovavo led them into kind of uh, an unglorious, an inglorious, a vainglorious end. Right? They just disappeared. They came to, uh, they came to an end. Whereas Am Yisrael that had a taste of the light because the light was without any darkness. There was just light. That a taste of the light understood something about the cause that they would undertake. They weren't just going to receive the Torah. They were going to have to be the Torah. And that was a challenge that B'nai Yisrael were made aware of during the Makkah of, of Choshech. So you see, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do a lot of things and uh, make things and destroy things and, and, and make, uh, make the water stand and make the, the locusts fly and, and all of those things. But we have a responsibility to be able to see the light. That's our, that's our responsibility. And that responsibility was learned was learned by the by Am Yisrael in the Makkah in the Makkah of Choshech. Okay.